This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. We're joined by a man who it's fair to say has been making an awful lot of headlines, not for all of the right reasons either, let's be frank about it. Over the last two and a half years, he's been in the news. We can take a listen. Former England captain Michael Vaughan arriving to fight charges of racism. The only person accused to attend public disciplinary hearings into a scandal that's rocked English cricket. Azim Rafiq is seeking justice from the commission two and a half years after going public. The victim of racial harassment and bullying across two spells playing for Yorkshire between 2008 and 2018. It is a deplorable subject with which brings us Azim Rafiq, the former Yorkshire County Cricket Club captain, of course, at the youngest man to captain a Yorkshire side as well. First person of Asian origin to do likewise as well. A great honour. He's in our studio and in our humble abode right now. We say a very good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. Great to have you in with us, my friend. And listen, so many questions. We've been peppered with questions on the text lines as well. But let's talk about you. You're here in Dubai and you're looking to make this place home, correct? Yeah, look, um, you know, it's been well documented uh, last couple of years. Uh, it's been incredibly tough for me and my family. Um, and, you know, uh, over the last sort of um, 12 months, things when things got really tough uh, in, in locally around the threats and the abuse that we were receiving, it got to a point where I had to make a decision uh, and make sure I protected my family's uh, physical and psychological safety. It's just worth just kind of, if we can, give an overview for anyone that's kind of new to this story, because it's fair to say that Azim, an incredible career that he had, and we'll get to that in due course, but uh, over the last couple of years, Azim has kind of really been at the forefront because he's the man who lifted the lid on institutionalised racism within the English game. Bombshell interview that you gave to Wisden back in 2020 in which Azim revealed that he had suffered racism, harassment and bullying during his time at Yorkshire. Now that interview not only led to widespread condemnation, of course it did, it led to a number of resignations at the club. It's been the subject of investigations by the England and Wales Cricket Board as well as the Digital Cultural uh, Media and Sports Select Committee in the British Parliament. Last week came the published findings of the Cricket Discipline Commission's racism hearings in which six individuals formally connected to Yorkshire, individuals that Azim called coaches, teammates for goodness sake, were found guilty of bringing the game into disrepute over the alleged use of a racist or discriminatory uh, language. Those men, Matthew Hoggard, Tim Bresnan, Andrew Gale, John Blaine, Rich Pyra, also, uh, all of course having charges proved against them. Gary Balance, he had already pled guilty in advance. Ex-England captain Michael Vaughan, he was cleared of using a racist language towards, uh, of course, Azim uh, and three other players of Asian descent before Yorkshire's T20 match against Nottinghamshire in 2009. Wow. So that's the overview. There's an awful lot to unpack in all of this. And the question that comes to mind, and the question I was thinking about this last night, uh, Azim, has it been all worth it? You know, you've said there the emotional, the toll that this has taken on you and your family. As you sit here this evening, has it been worth it? Yeah, look, I mean, I just want to pick up on the one that you missed out. Um, you know, Yorkshire County Cricket Club admitted to 17 years of systemic racism. Um, and, you know, when I spoke out, I tried to make it very clear from the offset through all the investigations uh, and places that I've gone through that we've got to make sure that it doesn't become about individuals so mm. you know it's been really sad that it well it did in the end but in terms of has it been worth it look um, you know I, 
I think we will only find out in uh, sort of three, four years' time whether cricket takes this as an opportunity to make things better. You know, it's come at a personal cost, but that's fine. I knew when I spoke out that things won't be easy. I didn't expect to have to leave the country. Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, cricket will take stock, come together and make sure that it becomes a place for everyone and, you know, all our kids can have a good time doing it. Do you truly feel you were driven out of the UK? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm here because, uh, you know, of all the attacks and the threats. You know, it came to a point, uh, we had a situation, broad daylight, uh, and this gentleman came in and out of my parents' back garden on the phone and then defecated before leaving. We reported it to the police and to this day, despite having all the clear uh, video and photos, nothing's been done. Since October, um, you know, while we were there, I had 24-7 security for me, me and my family, and that's nowhere to live. No, it's not. As in question for me, we've seen lots of issues in a number of sports with racism around the world globally. Do you think your specific situation was a Yorkshire Cricket Club scenario or it's on a, on a wider level across English cricket but other sports as well do you think it's systemic of society as a whole in, in, in if that's a stereotypical sort of way to look at it thing yeah I think it'd be naive to think that this was a Yorkshire County Great Club uh, issue um, we are imminently awaiting a report by Cindy but um, the ICEC report uh, which has spoken to over 4,000 people uh, which is going to report um, I think it's going to report very uh, strongly that this was the case across the board. Uh, you know, I've been contacted by across the sport. I only had a conversation, you know, I think it's come out this morning that Luther Burrell from rugby, yes. that his uh, experiences have been proved. Uh, and, you know, I've been in regular communication with him. And, you know, I've had grassroots football all across. And when you go to society, you know, amount of phone calls I've received from uh, people working in the NHS. So I think it's a really sad place to be. Um, it's clearly, um, you know, uh, as a country, we are pretty divided at the minute. And um, and that, that's showing up in a lot of behaviours. I've read an awful lot into the story, uh, Azim, over the course of the last couple of days. And I've got to pick up a quote that, that you gave in one of your interviews because it really kind of hit home. You were asked about the toll that this has had on you and, and again I'm quoting you in a previous article you said the inside of me is broken to the absolute core the level of trust that's been broken inside me I don't know whether that will ever heal what do you mean by that the, the trust inside you yeah look uh, you know I, I was let down by the very people that I trusted you know I spent you know I grew up with these guys um, you know when I lost my son in 2018 which is you know predominantly where uh, a lot of my uh, you know made me look at what had happened and speak about it you know one one of my teammates uh, came to support me from the hospital to the graveyard and that's something that will always live with me you know these people I had literally shared my life with and to not only have been treated like that around that, but then I felt like that was used to get rid of me because I'd raised uh, concerns about bullying and racism. Um, you know, and then every point of where I've gone, you know, you get told to report these things. And I reported it in 2017 internally, in 2018 internally, in 2018 again internally, and then had a meeting with the CEO, uh, the director of cricket and the Professional Cricketers Association who was supposed to be on my side. Uh, and when we did the subject access request uh, and then we saw in the hearings that my own player development manager was actually not on my side. So, you know, I've seen people have memory failures, you know, people uh, 
uh, who you think would support you have sort of looked the other way and you know that's been tough uh, can I just pick up on something you said there the tragic passing of your child one person one colleague of yours showed up to the funeral to offer their support and their condolences do you feel that was your colleagues backing away and, and not giving you the support when you also needed it because you were seen as a whistleblower at the time well, I wasn't seen as a whistleblower at the time. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'd reported what I felt at the time because, you know, you don't want to. Of course not. As a person of colour, when you start believing you're being treated differently because of your race or religion, it actually becomes so tough within yourself and you try and look at any other way why you could be being treated differently. So initially I reported it as bullying. Um, and, you know, I just felt like uh, that was everyone just going, oh, well, we can't be part of this. But, you know, when something so... Like I said, these people have, my mum's cooked food for them. You know, some of them have stayed in my house, you know, known each other for a very long time. Uh, and, you know, this was a very human thing that I was going through. And to get the treated that way was, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that will be something I will ever uh, be able to forget. And Azim, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just affect you, it affects your friends, your family in particular, um, a much wide, your much wider network and, and, and extended family. I was saying off air, I actually met Azim's sister last year at a, at a cricket conference in Birmingham. And I, we'd spoke for about 15, 20 minutes. I didn't know the connection. But she's, she works in cricket. She, she is a cricket female development officer building the female game in different parts Fantastic, of the world. Yeah. She was doing it in the UK. And she's also been affected by the situation, as have your parents. So I, I feel that to be really a, a tragic situation as well, that your family now is drawn into the whole saga as well. I think that's the thing, you know, I think my uh, sort of struggles or my feelings have been well documented. Uh, you know, very early on, I was getting some mental health uh, support. And the one thing that has allowed me to be able to cope with this uh, in whatever way I have is that I've been very open about how I'm feeling. But, you know, I have a sense of guilt or, you know, the effect on people around me has been huge. You know, my my dad's health has you know, deteriorated quite dramatically over the last two years. My mum, who's never, you know, who's normally in good health, has ended up in hospital. My wife's traumatised, you know, and my sister's professionally Career. has had to suffer. You know, she's ended up in a better place now, I think. But, and, but it's not just that. People who have put their head above the parapet to support me uh, have had to have fences put in their houses, cameras installed. And it's, you know, I think I've seen the wide array of the pushback uh, in so many different ways and it's just sad you know it's just a sad place where it's got to so many questions uh, so many discussion points to discuss I'm going to leave you with this one before we head to a quick break do you feel that the media portrayal of you has been a fair one as in when you look at the way that you have been put forward by the wider media and you're smiling wryly at me. Do you feel it's been unfair? Have they taken a certain slant that you feel is not a true representation of who you are? Well, look, I don't want to brush everyone with the same... Uh, you know, I don't want to put everyone... But And also, it's a, quite an interesting conversation because initially, if it wasn't for the media, I would have never been heard. You know, I've had incredible support uh, from George DeBell, uh, who's, you know, who's championed 
uh, the whole cause um, incredibly. James Butler, another journalist who has been outstanding. And, you know, actually right up to DCMS, there was a lot of support and it felt like that was my only way to be heard. But then, you know, you've had sections and you expect it from some because, you know, they have loyalty to certain individuals. But I think some people and local press, uh, I think, have caused real damage. Uh, And, you know, um, Yorkshire Post in particular took a side very early on um, and have never sort of tried to even look at uh, what, you know, what the effects are. Um, And I think a lot of sort of what uh, happened there has caused a a lot of the stuff um, locally. But, you know, even the decision from Friday to now, you know, seven out of eight charges were upheld. Um, And uh, I have not seen any of that. It's been very much sort of one that wasn't upheld. And, you know, I expect that. I've had a good understanding of how the media works as well over the last three years. So I don't want to put everyone in the same bracket, but, you know, ultimately everyone's going to have to reflect whether it's five years down the line or ten years down the line and they can look back at what part they played in uh, this uh, whole episode and history will either remember you on the right side or the wrong the off script podcast well, you'd have to have been living under a rock, especially if you're a cricket aficionado or enthusiast, not to know who this man is. He's made headlines in the UK. He's made headlines internationally, essentially, for raising the spectrum of racism, harassment, bullying in the workplace. It all pertains to his time at Yorkshire County Cricket. And Azim, you were just telling us a story, uh, and I don't bring this to the airwaves lightly, but you know, I asked you just how bad did it get? And you know, I'll let you answer this in your own words. I mean, it it got... I mean, you literally plumed the lowest depth that any man or woman could get. Yeah, um, you know, I I came close to taking my uh, life a couple of times and that's that's how tough it got for me. And even now, like, I think anyone that's followed the thing over the last few years know that I'm pretty emotional and I can get. But, you know, I've started to get really good and don't get emotional stuff. But whenever I talk about this, it still sort of comes back to me that point, that evening on my balcony. Um, And, you know, I didn't even realise, Chris, that this is what it was doing to me. You know, I... In everyone's eyes, I was living the dream. You know, in my family's eyes, I was living the dream. And I was basically coming off at the Ellen Road Junction and just hoping for someone to hit me, just to have a car crash so I could have two weeks in a hospital and just, uh, you know, get some respite. Um, You know, I'd been taking uh, antidepressants, citalopram, since 2013. You know, no no idea why I, t- why I was taking them or feeling the way I was. You know, I'd been youngest ever Yorkshire captain, a team full of international stars. You know, Mitchell Stark, David Miller, Bairstow, Root. It just, you know, there was no reason for me to be feeling how I was. And clearly, uh, under the skin, that's what was going on. And it just added. And now as I reflect back, uh, and one of the things that came out of the CDC hearings, you know, like... My, my sister got called an FP, a fit P word, and you know, and I didn't say anything, and I didn't do anything, and that's how normalized it became in that environment. Um, and I look back, it got to a point where when we were socializing, I was being called at it from like staff that worked in the stadium, you know, people that worked in the local bar, and I'm like looking back and thinking, how did I let that go? Um, but you know, as I said to you off air, as a person of color, you don't want to. You don't want to believe that you're being treated differently because of your race or religion, because that becomes so difficult to deal with within yourself. Because you, lo- you look at most things with that lens then, and for a very long time I was looking the other way, till it became uh, practically impossible for me to look the other way. Do you think, Azim, um, 
when you're a young cricketer coming through the system uh, at Yorkshire, you're in the second team, you're into the first team, you're knocking shoulders with internationals. That dressing room banter just becomes quite normal. It's just you accept it as part and parcel of being in a team sport dressing room. And it's only as you got a little bit more older, a little bit more mature and a little bit more wise to the situation and recognize different things, as you say, around around the ground. Looking back, it's been there for a long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I hate the word banter because, you know, all the times it's at the expense of someone else, mm. no matter what the conversation is. And, you know, I've had this conversation with people, you know, addressing sport. It's, you know, people, it's tough and stuff. It is, but there's a line uh, and leaders and the environment need to know what, when to stop it. And, you know, I was I was being called this on the team bus in front of everyone. This this is no, uh, and as we'll see, the ICC report and stuff uh, will reflect that this has been so normalised that no one even saw anything wrong with it. Um, and, you know, I, I actually feel uh, sorry for some people because you come into that environment as a 15-year-old and you've got people, your heroes, using that language. You know, you've got two choices. Even if you recognise it, you speak up, you never play a game of cricket in your life, or you just keep your tr- uh, mouth shut and carry on and try and have a career. You know, the fear of when you speak out is that your career will be ended. Um, whether that's at 18 or when I spoke out at 28, my career's been ended. So I think uh, speaking out is one of the toughest things anyone can do. But in terms of leadership and people in the game, uh, you know, it, then boundaries have just not been uh, clear. Deeply personal question this in many respects, but of all that you went through, Azim, for you personally, what hurt the most? What cut the deepest for you? Um, you know, when I lost my son, I, you know, it was in the 38th week. We'd done, you know, it'd been a tough pregnancy. We'd, you know, we'd got everything ready and and actually sort of, we got told that things were fine. And I went to a game uh, and I feel guilty going to that game, knowing full well that that was my, it was, I was in the last year of my contract. Uh, one day cricket was something I was incredibly, you know, successful at yeah. um, and I thought, you know, I'll go and play the game um, and I'll come back and it'll be fine. Um, and, you know, I travelled and I didn't even end up playing the game. So that, But then I think that might have been the evening that my son had his last breath and, you know, my wife had an appointment that day. Whether I'd been there, what, could I have made a difference? I don't know. Um, and that's something that will live with me. But my teammates um, and, you know, people I'd grown up with, they'd seen me since the age of 11, you know, and the the lack of um, empathy, empathy, but it wasn't just the lack of empathy because I know people struggle with, I don't know how to behave around of course, people's grief. That, that, yeah, but it was the way it was used to get rid of me. Um, and you know, I when I first spoke out, that was one of the main reasons. I just wanted to get in a room with the director of cricket and get some answers around that. Um, and unfortunately, it looks like I'll never get them answers. It's a sad situation, is what it is. It really is. As you rightly pointed out, in the report that was published last Friday, seven of the eight charges were upheld. Yes, the focus has been on the ex-England captain, Michael Vaughan. He was exonerated. He was essentially couldn't prove the charges. But it's the other seven. Uh, six men involved in all of that. Gary Balance, another former uh, teammate of yours, he already had pled guilty, of course. I want to talk about the relationship you've had with those individuals. Azim, have you heard from them? Have you had dialogue? Where are we at on that situation? 
Yeah, look, uh, me and Gary met in the summer. Um, it was, I think, for both of us, really helpful. You know, uh, and the one thing from following the stuff, Gary from day one has been a lot of the times pretty open and accepted it from day one, most of the things. Um, and, you know, it was really good for us to sit uh, in a room and talk about um, our sort of play, where we were both coming from. Um, and, you know, he apologised and that, that meant the world to me. It really did, you know, because it, it allows me to put my puzzle back together and understand and he apologised for not, uh, you know, realising uh, what he should have done more sort of um, away from this as well uh, in 2018 around the loss of my son. Uh, and, you know, he apologised and I accepted the apology, um, which has been really helpful for both of us. He's now gone on and become... Uh, uh, well played for Zimbabwe and got yeah. a test 100 again so you know I'm glad uh, and you know I wish him all the best The other individuals at the heart of all of this I mean I've read out the names I mean it's public for goodness sake uh, Matthew Holgard Tim Bresnan to name just two I mean have they been forthcoming have you looked to extend an olive branch I mean I asked that because that would be the kind of higher thing to do for you but have they have they been coming to you and saying listen Azim I've reflected and I owe you an almighty apology Look, uh, Hoggy rang me right at, uh, when I did my first interview uh, in 2020 um, and, you know, he apologised. Um, things have changed a little bit in that, but, you know, I've tried to have a conversation with him. I've heard, you know, it's been uh, sort of relayed to me that how much he's struggling and I've tried to contact him uh, uh, as much as I can. But it's been really difficult but, uh, while this process has been ongoing. Um, a lot of the others, not nothing. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I found really difficult at CDC was not actually, you know, cross-examination or, or anything like that. I found all that pretty simple. But it was when a witness, my old player development manager, came and in the room you felt the malicious intent in that. And that was difficult. I just hope we get to a place somewhere down the line that uh, we can get in a room and have a conversation and people can understand each other's perspectives. Azim, we spend a lot of time looking back at yeah. your particularly tragic, I'll call it, scenario and, and, and situation. Looking forward from your perspective, what does Yorkshire cricket have to do to change? What does cricket and sport have to do to adapt and, 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 and move forward and, and, and be a better... And, and what does society have to do to be a better, better place? And I think that's so important that, you know... We can't forget what's happened because if we do, it'll happen again. So, but we need to learn from it. But it's it's the next five years that uh, will show how important this has been, you know, how we come together. You know, hopefully Friday has been a point where everyone's gone, they're going to tech stock, reflect and really come together for the sake of the game, the game that we all love. Um, in terms of what we do, for me, I've said it, there's you know, three facets to it. There's an education element, um, and that element is not just doing PowerPoint presentations or you know, some questionnaires online uh, that's taken other equality and diversity. You know, data's gone up. It's got to be more around really getting people in a room, getting people with lived experiences, and understand the effect of discrimination and the effect of language. Um, then I think the second part is around recruitment and so what's happened is a lot of the communities are just saying, well, cricket doesn't want us, fine, we'll go do something else. And it's for cricket to go out and build trust back. And I think that that's really important. And then I think accountability. Uh, so it's not been, it's been imperfect, the process, but the one thing the CDC process or the hearings would have sent a message clear to everyone involved in cricket is, 
you don't want to get involved in that mm. you don't want to be in front of a panel um you know whether it's public or whatever uh you know having to answer to your past behavior so hopefully you know combinations of that stuff is going to start to move things forward but you know change doesn't happen overnight there's got to be an understanding that it will take time but there's got to be impatience from the leaders for it to happen you know quicker but it's also got to be really organic what we can't have and i've seen this already play out in the last two years you know with cricket scotland and other aspects is you can't get to a place where you just get a person of color in just because you think that uh, that ticks a box and allows you to move forward it's got to really you know deep inside you there's got to be an acceptance and a real willingness to change knowing full well that we're going to get things wrong you know we've got to take the fear out of the conversation as well because no one's going to get everything right no one's got the answers uh, and it's understanding that and having a real will you know fundamentally if you can sort of hold on to am i doing the right thing on a human level uh, i think we'll move forward uh, a lot quicker than you think how do you move forward with michael vaughan as you know the two of you met i believe about 18 months ago before the ecb's uh, charges were kind of leveled uh, he has been uh, exonerated uh, he has uh, essentially been cleared of what was accused of him i mean do the two of you get in a room like you've done with gary balance would you be open to that and where does a conversation with him go if you are indeed to meet with him and sit down with him Look, Chris, for me, uh, from day one, I've been open to that and been wanting that. Uh, you know, even when we met, uh, you know, it was straight away. Uh, I I am open to that throughout because I think that's the only way the game actually moves forward. And, you know, you talk about solutions. You know, there's no point um, everyone just sitting on their sides and, you know, just fighting. You know, it's not going to help anyone. And fundamentally, it won't help the game. And, you know, people have got to put egos out of their room and just go, actually, and reflect. You know, the one thing I've kept saying over the last two years, cricket becoming or getting to where it was, we've all got to take responsibility. You know, we've all been looking the other way. And now if we can all come together and take the responsibility to make it better, then, you know, our game is going to be in a better place. In terms of Michael, um, you know, again, I'm very open to that and I have been throughout. You know, it's only been five or six days, so I need to get my emotions together. And also I want it to be authentic. You know, I don't want it to be, you know, oh, this is what looks good. It, you know, when once it, there's a bit of healing and understanding, you know, because that conversation, whenever it, whenever it happens, because I'm sure it will at some point, has got to be very honest and straight yeah. uh, because, you know, there'll be things that I need to speak about and I'm sure vice versa. Um, and that authenticness uh, has got to be very important. And I think for that, whenever it happens, uh, will be the right time. I mean, Azeem, cricket's been your life uh, through the highs and the, the, the lows. Do you want it to play an important part in your life going forward or are you done with cricket? Oh, mate, I love the game. You know, anyone that knows me or spends uh, five minutes with me, I, you know, I love and adore the game. I have done from a very young age. And also, you know, I want to talk about the positives of cricket. I want to talk about the positive times I've had. You know, I've been so fortunate. I was captain at Under-19 World Cup in New Zealand. You know, I've shared a dressing room with uh, arguably some of the best players to ever have played the game. Luckily, I've c- captained some of them as well. So, it's you know it's been it's been my life. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot of hurt there, and healing needs to happen. But you know, I, I would love to play a part not only in this space uh, and really helping cricket learn from this uh, and move things forward. So you know, our kids have a better game 
to be part of, but also, you know, just purely as we're going to go on to like talking about the game. And, uh, you know, I feel like uh, I'm in a good position As- to do that. Aspirations for coaching, to do media work. Um, where do you see, you, what, what, what gets your passions fired up? Well, that, that they've they've always been. Both of them have been my uh, passion. You know, um, I'm a, you know I completed my level four course. Um, I, when I had the assessment, I was in Parliament, so I couldn't do the assessment. So I've got to finish that. Uh, so you know, coaching is something I want to do, but I think in the short term, just to have a bit of healing and understanding, uh, media and broadcasting would be something I hopefully can get into. I had a message come in, and it's an interesting one. I think it's a very valid one as well, and this might give us a bit of an insight into the role of the captain. The point's been made that you were captain. You you were so revered. Someone who clearly was respected among some. You know, you've said it wasn't all. We're not casting aspersions on all. But you were respected within the institution of Yorkshire Cricket Club by enough individuals in there that they've bestowed upon you arguably the greatest honour you can give. You're captain of that cricket club. Did you ever feel then that you had the power to say enough is enough as captain? Well, I, I captained very early, and I was in a. Fi- I was filling in, so I wasn't an official captain, um, you know. And I was lucky that Jason Gillespie was a coach at the time, and Jason w- was a massive support. Um, so, you know, I, I felt like I got the captaincy because of that. But it was also around the time that I, you know, I did things that were against my religion. I did things to fit in, uh, you know, and I felt very much part of the group in that year. And the minute I sort of stopped, uh, that changed. But, you know, as a captain. I came in uh, filling in. It's interesting if I can call them transgressions. Let's go there. Ah, I wonder, do you feel that they have been used against you in a lot of ways to dilute or to get us off message? Is that a fair assumption? I think there's been a lot of things that has been um, to try and get away from the message. And, you know, from day one, the one thing I've avoided talking about is my cricket. Because I know, um, you know, so... uh, around white ball cricket and you can go and look at the stats and I could talk about my cricket all day and the reason I haven't because it's a matter of opinion and it would have allowed people to uh, you know get away from the message there's been attempts to divide and rule trying to get other cricketers of colour to come out with different experiences but at all times what I've tried to do is keep focus on the cause and the message um, and you know Ultimately, I think no matter how many times, no matter how big uh, people uh, come out and try to, people struggle to rewrite history in this case. Um, and, you know, it's very clear these things have happened. Uh, and I think once the ICC report comes, at that point, it'll become impossible for the pushback. Are you content, Azim, you said at the start of this show that it's not about the individuals, it's about the system if you will, sitting here this evening then with what has transpired, with what you've put the family through, what you've put yourself through to get to this point, sitting here this evening, are you satisfied with the findings, the punishments and where the game of cricket in England is after your revelations? Well, look, I mean, I don't agree with one of the findings, but I'll respect it. Uh, You know, I've read through over the weekend and stuff. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's not the point. You know, for me, from day one, it's been making sure that it doesn't become about individuals. You know, the sanctions are only going to happen in the next month. And I think for the individuals in Yorkshire, uh, for me, you know, I think that's got to be people... If there's an acceptance, people have really got to be looked after at that point. I I I don't think... 
smashing big sanctions is going to help anyone. You know, it really has to be now about healing, coming together, understanding each other's perspectives. And I actually feel like, you know, a lot of people involved in this can play a big part moving forward. And I think, you know, what a great place it could be if we, in 10 years' time, we could all sort of sit in a room and actually talk about it and look at where it's taken the game and hopefully other sports and our society. I just wonder, and it's a question I was kind of going around in my mind today, Azim, and this will be the final line on this and then we'll look ahead. From a career perspective, have you thought about this, about your role as a whistleblower and what that may mean for you moving forward, good or bad? As you sit here this evening... Your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, uh, there's there's days where I think, God, <laughs> what, what am I going to do yeah. for the rest of my life? Um, but you know, I, you know, whenever I speak about, it, and there's never enough time. I've been so fortunate, Chris. I've had the most incredible support outside of cricket. You know, whether that be legal through Mishkon Derea. You know, Mishkon Derea have represented me over. You know, for nearly two years, pro bono. It's been incredible. Doughty Street Chambers. Uh, you know, I've had. I've had such great support, but it's not just that. Over the last 12 months, um, you know, I've spoken uh, at a Google event, uh, you know, with Gordon Brown, which was incredible, GQ Heroes. So I've had a real, real great support outside of cricket. And because of that, you know, a lot of people have tried to, you know, help me look into what I will do next. Um, and, you know, I'm very much a glass half full person. Uh, you know, I trust Allah. Uh, I trust myself. And, you know, I, and I'm determined to make sure what my next stage is, is so positive that everyone looks at me and goes, actually, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. And also, I want people to look at me and go, actually, you can have a positive life after being a whistleblower. At the same time, I'm incredibly proud of what I've done. Uh, and I know it will be something that uh, will always be part of me. Uh, and, and I won't shy away from that responsibility either. Azeem, it's a, it's a tragic and sad story off the field for cricket. English cricket as a whole, particularly Red Bull, is in a really positive place at the moment. Massive series, Ashes in the UK this summer. It's, it's, it's actually, if you're a cricket fan, it's, it's going to be really, really something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, look, since Brendan McCullum's coming in, I think, I don't think Rob Key gets enough credit. Oh. Um, I think, uh, you know... Brave move, wasn't it, really? Well, uh, basically, in January last year, uh, I tweeted something like, uh, English cricket should get Rob Key involved uh, right at the top. Uh, and he sent me a message saying, if I lose my <laughs> golf career because of you, you, know, you know, you're going to have me to worry about, not just Yorkshire. Started laughing three months down, down the line. He got it. And I think he's absolutely brilliant uh, because... He's been in the game recently. Uh, he's really good with people. And, you know, he really understands cricket and he's happy to do things, not just by how it's always been done. Yeah. And I think that's been clear with his appointments. But it's, you know, then it's the players. You know, I think the players deserve a huge amount of credit to be able to, you know, you, obviously Ben Stokes' leadership has been outstanding. But, you know, for them to go out and do what they've done over this last sort of uh, 14 months it's been now, um, it's been incredible. It's been great viewing. Uh, and I think it sets up for an outstanding Ashes. You've come to life. I've seen your face light up. Your, 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 I guess your enthusiasm for cricket hasn't been dimmed. And that's a big takeaway from this conversation this evening, Azim. And what you've proven to me is, because we're out of time, is we need to have you back in to just talk all about what's going on in cricket. You asked the question during 
during the ad break, do we cover IPL? Yes, we blooming do. So if you're an expert in IPL, we're having you back in. We're going to bring you back in. I want to say at this juncture, a big thanks to Mark Jones and to Motivate Talent for just for sticking their hands up and saying, Azim's in town, do you want to have him on the show? And we absolutely bit their hand off. I want to thank you, Azim, for your candidness, your openness uh, this evening. Thank you for joining us for the past hour. And I mean it when I say, now that you're a Dubai resident, the door's always open. If you ever want to pop in and talk just cricket, we'll always have you in, my friend. So thank you so much. Thank you. For Thanks coming for having me. This really evening, the voice of Azim uh, Rafiq there, who isn't going to be a stranger on the show. Mark Archie, you've dressed up for the occasion. I hope it was worth it. Wonderful and, and great to speak to Azim and, 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 and just really wish him and his family all the best moving forward. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.